1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Washington football team didn't have enough to be depressed about. In 2013, you had it all. You had Matt LaFleur. You had Sean McVay. You had Kyle Shanahan. And you blew it. They're all gone. And they're all coaching this weekend as head coaches of teams that will be playing. And it's Shanahan and Lafleur. Man, it's been a long nine years for Kyle. Oh, boy, it's Seriously, been a long nine he years he for Kyle. It's been a long nine years for me, too. But, my <laughs> yeah. gosh, there yeah. it is, 2013. McVay looks no different. Lafleur has the mustache that makes him a little different. There's Kyle's son from 2013. <laughs> 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 and... Uh, uh, and uh, yes, they are now all coaching in games that we'll see this weekend. So. It even, uh, unbelievable,
2: even, even Raheem Morris involved in that. Mike, Raheem Morris is there on that staff too. What a staff! Wow. I mean, what a travesty that whole thing was. I mean, they ruined a staff with as much potential and young talent as we've seen. All because of RG3 and Dan Snyder. They Because RG3 knew how to run the organization better than the Shanahan family. I mean, it's, it's laughable. It really is. To think that's what ended it. It really is. That's what ended it. RG3 wanted things changed. He wanted it done his way. Even though he had been there for four seconds and been put in a spot to be a superstar, he was going to tell Dan Snyder how to run the team after the year was over, and Dan Snyder listened. It's unreal well, when you but, really say it out and, loud. And, and-
1: the, the the fatal flaw for Dan Snyder back in those days, whether it was Clinton Portis, yes. he, he was very close with Clinton Portis, he'd befriend players. Yes. The owner befriending players is not the way to ensure that you're going to have a properly functioning football organization. And and Chris, we've talked about this before. Mike and Kyle meeting with Peyton Manning about possibly joining the Washington football team in right. 2012. and. Right. What comes on the screen? They've traded up for the second overall pick in the draft. Yes. Hey, it would be nice if the Shanahans knew about this before it happened.
2: Yeah, exactly right. I mean, it just, you know, Snyder hijacked the whole situation. He did. They had a plan as far as what they wanted to do with the quarterback position, and Dan wanted to draft him one of these young quarterbacks. So he went, even though Mike Shanahan had total authority, he went ahead and made the trade without Shanahan, and yeah, they found out about it just like the rest of the public did, watching the scroll on the bottom of the sports channel, going, oh my gosh, wait, oh, all right, hey, Peyton, it's, it's glad you're here, and it was cool talking to you, but looks like we're going to be going a different direction here at quarterback. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Unbelievable. Uh, and you think of what the direction of the franchise would have been if they had had Peyton Manning without having to give up and invest a total of three first round picks and a second round pick to make it happen. All right, so it's Kyle Shanahan versus Matt LaFleur on Saturday night. One of the, well, they're all compelling, but this is one of the most compelling games of the weekend. Who do you give the edge to when it comes to coaching in this one? And Matt LaFleur has been phenomenal so far. It's amazing to see Kyle Shanahan under 500. In five years as coach of the 49ers, but they had that one great year. The other years have not been great. No, I, I mean, I, I get it. I give the advantage to Shanahan,
2: but I, I do look at it. Well, you know, I look at it, and Shanahan, to me, is uh, you know, arguably the best play caller in football he's definitely the best run game designer in football. He's one of the few offensive coordinators in the whole sport where his first thought goes to run. Wait, what are the run game? How am I going to screw you in the run game? He's not worried about the pass. Then he gets that figured out, and then he goes to the pass. You know, so that's where he's different. You know, Shanahan's as creative as it gets. Matt LaFleur, creative. I don't think he's on the, the, the same page as Shanahan. They, listen, to me, when I talk about my friend Kyle Shanahan, there's only one flaw I've really seen throughout it, and that's really the fact that You know, inability to get the right quarterback, evaluate the right quarterback, whatever you want to say, whatever it may be, C.J. Beathard, you know, Nick Mullins, hey, Jimmy Garoppolo even, we can throw in that basket. I know the results have been good, but, you know, hey, there's a reason they drafted a guy at number three. It's not to their liking, and I think we all understand why. I mean, we do. We talk about it every week. We saw it again last week late in the football game. It just some some games you just go, damn, I don't know. This guy was clutch last week. This week, I don't know if I can trust him to do anything. It's just weird that way. So that's where Shanahan's had issues But I, I would think Mike I'm in the category of When the Packers saw it was the 49ers they were going to have to play they, you, they could say what they want I bet you they went oh, Damn it I wish the Rams were coming to town and we didn't have to deal with the 49ers because this is a matchup where, yes, Shanahan knows some of his tricks. He knows LaFour's tricks. I think Shanahan's a little more creative to come up with new tricks, and I think their team matches up really well with Green Bay in some areas that are, you know, important for, for the game itself.
1: Well, and we saw a great Sunday night game between these two teams week three where the 49ers left just enough time on oh the my clock gosh. for Aaron Rodgers right. to get down the field and get in position to win the game. Nick Bosa is going to be a critical aspect of this. I know we're talking about the coaching matchups here, but it's a lot easier to coach when you've got Nick Bosa chasing around Aaron Rodgers and and accelerating the clock in his head that tells him how much time he has to throw the football.
2: A hundred percent. They got to have him. Not only because, I mean, he's awesome. And, you know, like we talk about all the time, he's one of the best defensive players in the sport. But it's one of those where it's not only is the player awesome, but for that scheme to work. You know, where they don't really want to blitz. They want to play coverage. It's, it's it's rooted a little bit in the Seattle scheme, but they don't play that a ton. They do some different stuff, too but they need, it's, it's about the wide nine technique like we always talk about. They want a defense end who can get out wide and just go get the quarterback and he takes their defense to another level when he's out there and healthy and makes their defense align a different a different issue and you don't ever have to blitz or do things like that when is in the football game so he will be huge in this game because you don't want to get in a blitz matchup or play too much man to man against Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay because he's going to get the offense in the right play. He's going to get them protected against the Blitz, and he's going to gash the 49ers' corners, which we know are less than. We know that. And that's to me, was a little bit of the advantage finally it was finally, you know, I've said it a lot like, hey, can somebody attack the 49ers corners? They're not that good and they give you a lot of one-on-one matchups. Where Dallas dropped the ball last week, I made these comments on my podcast in fact, Troy Aikman, I think he even said that yesterday. I mean if I was Michael Irvin and got the coverage the 49ers got, we would have just kept throwing to Michael Irvin Well, this week the 49ers are going to have to change it a little bit because they do got a Rodgers and Devontae Adams, well they'll wear that out out there and go, you want to play one-on-one, we'll do that and they did that in the first matchup and then the 49ers had to adjust and that was part of their comeback but that's a little bit of the chess match i'm interested to see here between shanahan and lafleur
1: just so we're clear then just so we're clear lafleur 13 and 3 13 and 3 13 and 4 yeah you're giving the check mark to kyle
2: i am you know again i know i'm flawed here so i totally recognize that i i but yes i think if you put kyle shanahan in green bay that the results would be every bit as good in fact, I I yes, I, that's what I'm going to say. I mean, and I don't like to say that cuz I like Matt LaFleur and know him and he's a friend as well. So, I mean, he's going to look at me Robbie the next time I see him and go, "Damn, you take Kyle over me? That's screwed up." But uh, he's not yes, watching. No, he's, I, not, he's got a game to get. He's ready got for. things to he's get. He's not going to hear about but this. But yes, I don't I think the results will be every bit as good if Shanahan took over the Green Bay job, if not a little bit better. All right, that's what I'll say. Uh, and I'm not trying to be controversial there. I'm just yes, I'm a Shanahan believer.
1: Zach Taylor, the Bengals coach, his third season. Obviously a great year thanks to the presence of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and others. Mike Vrabel has his team at the number one seed. Who do we give the edge to in that one? I'm
2: going Vrabel here. You know, it, it's this is a short period of time where we've seen actual success from Zach Taylor, love the way things are going, their offense to me is one of the most fun offenses to watch in all of football, yes because it's talented but their scheme has everything too, it's got everything, they, there's not one aspect of offense around the NFL where they can't go, oh wait we can do that we got plays like that, we can do that so that's where I really love them, Brian Callahan offensive coordinator, I'm a huge fan of his as well you know, that's a, that's an offensive coordinator I look at to go, he's flying under the radar. Why isn't he getting more interviews there? But uh, I still think i go Vrabel. Vrabel, the toughness we've seen in his football team. He's game plan specific on the defensive side of the ball as far as it changes on a week-to-week basis. Uh, I'm going to give him the advantage, but certainly got some respect for Zach Taylor. What about you? What you who you like there?
1: Well, I'm giving the edge to Vrabel. Yeah. I, I look, uh, Taylor. Taylor had a great third season, and he's growing into the job. Amazing that even after this season, he's still 16 and 32. He's a 33 percent winning percentage in yeah. three seasons. Right. That tells you how bad the first two years were. You mentioned Brian Callahan, though, and I looked ahead on the outline to see if this is coming up. I just need to make this point. Yeah. Because Callahan is getting at least one interview, and he said recently, and I'm paraphrasing, but basically it doesn't undermine game preparation to interview for one of these head coaching jobs. And I'm here to say, oh, yes, it does. It does in a variety of ways, the most obvious obvious of which is you've got a game this weekend, a playoff game, a game with a berth in the AFC Championship on the line. Every waking moment should be devoted to preparation for that game. And any time that you spend – you can say, well, I can get my work done. No. Any time you spend focused on interviewing to be a head coach for another team – necessarily undermines the time that you would have available, whether you're checking film one last time, whether you're looking at this, whether something else you could be doing. There's always something else you could be doing to help your team get in a position to win. So don't give me that. It doesn't distract. It does distract.
2: Agreed. Agreed. You know, it's hard for these guys to give the right answer there. They're biased, and of course, they want you know their personal gains, and they want to succeed in life. They're caught in a tough spot. They're 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 in a a tough 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 spot. spot. It's like we talked about. It's another reason where, again, you know, just like we said yesterday, they should delay this process for these guys. They should It's not fair to everybody. It's not fair to them. But your point's real. Like, I don't care what you say. If you're a human and you know, wait, I have a job interview where my life is going to drastically change if I get this job and I'm going to make north of $5 million and my family's going to be in a different spot for the rest of my life and I'm finally getting my dream. I'm going to be the head coach in the NFL. You can't tell me even when you're doing your work for the Bengals and preparing a watching film that every now and then you're not distracted with a thought in the mind your head about, oh, you know what? I should say this in the interview. Wait, okay, hold on. Pause the film in the Titans' blitz package. Let me write this down about the interview and blah, 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 blah. That That's to me. That's normal human emotion. I'm not trying to accuse him or anybody. No, it's the it's, same for all a of a them. It's a bad spot. right? It's a bad spot. Right. And
1: as I said yesterday, when you get home, it's not, hey, honey, how's the preparation coming for the Titans game? It's, hey, honey, yeah, what do you that's think? Right, we're, right. We're, I've been looking at houses. right? <laughs> right I've right. been checking out the schools. It's yeah. just more to take away from your what should be single-minded focus on getting ready to play the titans and hopefully from his perspective beat the titans all right it's mcveigh versus arians on sunday on nbc as i mentioned earlier one of the youngest coaches in the nfl against one of the oldest coaches in the nfl who do you give the edge to in that
2: one gosh i don't know i really don't i mean this how is- do
1: you not give it to mcveigh what does arians even do at this point what does he even do? He, he's proud to say he delegates everything. Okay. Left which runs the offense. Bowles runs the defense. What's Arians even do? Well, Seriously. He, well, I, I
2: get it. I understand that. But I still think he's got his fingerprints on a lot of stuff they do and understands, you yeah, know, on again.
1: Andrew Adams. <laughs> yeah. On his forehead. All right. You know,
2: because you said that, I think I will probably fa- uh, favor McVeigh a little bit. I think it's close, though. Again, Leftwich and them—they're running the Bruce Arians offense. It's not like Bruce is going into the office and going like, "Ah, oh, all right, Byron's got it. Let me kick up my feet and watch some pro football talk. Let me see what that jerk Florio is talking about right now." He's Hi, still Byron. a part of this. <laughs> he is, and and again, I think you know what. Also, you have to take into account for for Bruce Arians that I think makes this close in my mind is uh, again a little bit about his. Personality, his bravado, what he does, he instills that into their team that allows them to play loose and you know, like a bunch of renegades in these big games and these big moments. And that's what he kind of exudes to the rest of his football team as well. You know, there is a little bit of the Buccaneers attitude of like, hey, you know, we might slap you on the side of the head because our coach slaps us on the side of the head. You know, they're there, they are. They got a group of renegades. They want to whoop your butt. Damakonsum wants to step on your ankles and Vita Vale wants to run you over and Devin White likes crushing people offensively they got a bunch of offensive linemen who are killers and love getting in fights and chippy every game brady's got that about him he improved brady in my opinion too brady's become more aggressive and stopped worried about completion percentage and let me dink and dunk so i do think you have to give that to arians there it's a very close one but i guess you're right i'd probably give mcveigh the slight edge but i don't know it's it's really really close
1: and, and I was exaggerating to an extent, but yeah. we have heard over and over again over the past couple no, of no years. No doubt about it. You're right. And, and I think part of it is, this is Arians being selfless and trying to promote exactly. his coordinators by maybe giving them more credit than he should for what's going on so people will give them a fair look at becoming head coaches and and, and that's something he should be applauded for. Yeah,
2: I think you're right too. I think that's what he is. He is selfless. I've never talked to a coach that's worked for Bruce Arians who doesn't absolutely love the guy like love him. He is, he's just got that way about him. You know, he is kind of the typical guy where you saw at a bar and you want to drink beers and you can cuss and tell funny stories and do all that but yet he could sit down at a desk and watch film and be creative and get the whole offense on the same page and come up with all these ways to throw the ball 15 and 30 and 40 yards down the field. It's really good. But now when you get into McVay, you want to talk about a tough football team, a guy that knows how to manage situations, a guy knows who exactly what his team is always and plays to those strengths and gets away from the weaknesses. I mean, come on, he's going to the playoffs in the Super Bowl without with Jared Goff. With Jared Goff. I mean, come on. What else more do I have to really say that? So that as I'm talking here, because I didn't realize we were going to do this. You're right. I am going to give the little bit of the edge to Sean McVay. I am the edge. He gives his football team. They're tough. You know, they want to bring it Uh, and they match up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, I, I said something yesterday and I don't know, you know, maybe I'm wrong but I bet you the Bucks look at it and go man I wish we were getting the 49ers instead of the Rams just like I said the Packers I think they wish they were getting the Rams I think they this is a tough matchup for them and McVay poses some problems for Todd Bowles and Raheem Morris and that defensive unit for the Rams poses some problems for Bruce Arians and Byron Lefwich too and that's why it's, this is another game where I just go I'm a little bit back and forth I thought maybe I would pick the three weeks ago I'd pick the Bucks, no doubt about it I'm sitting here right now going ah I've gone back and forth like three times in this game in the last 24 hours.
1: I definitely think – they'll never admit it. I definitely think the Buccaneers were watching the Monday night game wishing the Cardinals would win, so that's the team they would have been playing oh, I agree there I sure. and not the Rams. For sure. All right, how about Sean McDermott, the Bills coach, facing Andy Reid, the Chiefs coach, who once fired McDermott as the defensive coordinator in Philadelphia?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know, but I'm going to give it to Andy Reid. I am, but there's another one. I mean, again, we're here to the final eight and I think, you know, really when I really look at it, I go seven of the eight are, to me, special coaches. I'm not ready to put Zach Taylor in this conversation yet. But seven out of the eight, I go woo. I mean, McDermott's a defensive genius. Him with Leslie Frazier, that's scary on that side of the ball. They're hungry right now. And that's the one thing I look about, maybe that I question about the Chiefs compared to the Bills. Are the Chiefs as hungry as the Bills? I don't know. know. That's one thing I think about, that they have a little bit of advantage in this football game. Um, but I'm going to give Andy Reid the edge a little bit. Again, his team, what he's created there, they're battle-tested. They've been in these moments a lot. You know, McDermott's still yet to get over the hump and and get to the Super Bowl or even be real competitive in the AFC Championship game. That game was about over, like, late in the second quarter last year. So I'll give it to, to Andy Reid. But, man, McDermott's a hell of a damn coach.
1: You know, I'm sitting here ping-ponging even more about who I like in this game because one of the concerns I have, one of the concerns I have, the Bills had such a special night against the Patriots. Yeah. Finally knocking off Big right. Brother in ping-pong. It, it reminds me, with the Winter Olympics coming, do you believe in miracles? Yes. U.S. beats Russia in hockey. Still got to play Finland. Yeah, uh, right. So, right. Uh, you know, uh, Bills still got to play the Chiefs. Yeah. And And it's weird because... The Chiefs are a different kind of, of bully as it relates to the Bills. So they, they've checked off one, and now they've got to go check off another one. Right. Maybe the Finland game is the AFC Championship if the Bills find a way to beat the Chiefs. If it's like the Titans or the Bengals, like they can't get up for that one because they've spent it all beating the Patriots and the Chiefs the first two rounds.
2: I, I think there's a lot of personal stuff here and emotion. I do. You know, Again, Andy Reid, McDermott, we know they have history. I think, you know, Josh Allen and Mahomes, they can say whatever they want. I know they're not on the same field. I think there's a real rivalry. You said rivalry. I think you said it yesterday. It seems like this might be the Manning-Brady thing that we're looking for. I would agree with that. I think both of those guys look at look at themselves and go, wait, I'm the most physically gifted quarterback. I'm the number one magician in football at the position. And I think there's like, wait, don't infringe on my territory. So I think it's personal between them. I do. And they're both teams that, you know, again, not that, you know, the Bills defense better this year. But the, the Chiefs' defense, I mean, they're, they're used to being physical and whooping your butt, too. We've talked about that a lot. Maybe the statistics don't always bear it out, but when they got to stop a Derrick Henry in the run game or do things like that, they're capable. They're gamers that way. Uh, so that's where I'm excited to see this matchup. I, I really am, and it's another one where, again, I've gone back and forth with. I really am. There's only one game this weekend, and I'm not going to tell you, of course, because you're going to wait to the podcast, that I really feel like I picked my winner. I'm good with it. I know I'm going there. The other three, I I've, I've really changed my mind a few times.
1: I've got two that I feel good about and I've got two that I don't that I keep going back and forth about and back and forth and we got a couple of hours before we tape the Joint Megapix podcast. In a couple of minutes we will talk about the Philadelphia Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Is he the guy? It sounds like he is at least for 2022. We'll discuss that next here on Pro Football Talk. talk.
0: What if millions of Black Americans had been compensated for slavery? Join me, Tremangely, as I explore the untold story of one of the only Black Americans who ever was. I talk to his descendants and discuss how reparations forever change their family's trajectory and imagine a reality where reparations are paid to the rest of Black America. Into America presents Uncounted Millions, The Power of Reparations, a Black History Month series. New episodes drop Thursdays. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Hey everybody! Just wanted to check in. Surgery went great; uh, was a complete success. Had a great medical team uh, that took care of me, and um, checked that that box off to get this fixed. And now it's on the way to you know the road to recovery. Um, you know, this is a, a one of those steps to get back to my true self. Um, this past year hasn't been very easy. Uh, a lot of stuff has gone down, and it wasn't wasn't easy on me or my family, so I appreciate everybody that's reached out, that wished me well and good luck on the surgery, all the prayers and everything. It definitely did not go unnoticed, so thank you. Um, thanks to everybody that's helped out so far. Um, now it's now it's on the way to the road to recovery. It's not gonna be an easy one, but um, it's gonna be one that I'm gonna remember, and it's gonna be a special one, so I'll uh, we'll keep you guys updated. Thank you so much, uh, but this is, the, this is not the end of my story. Uh, it's just gonna be one of those little things that I'll look back and remember that it's um, one of those challenges that an adversity that i'm going to try and take advantage of and it'll make me a better person so thank you for everybody that's reached out once again uh, let's go get it
1: the record remains unbroken every surgery performed on every nfl player every single time is a complete success you never hear what Kramer said to George's girlfriend, Audrey, after she had the nose job, you got butchered. It never happens. <laughs> Everything's yeah. a success. And he's already ahead of schedule in his rehab, and I don't mean to be flipping about it. Look, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. You can see. You can see. That's a big deal. He's going to be in discomfort. He's going to be in pain. He's got a rehab ahead of him. It is a long road. It's going to take work. It's going to take effort. You've got to worry about infection. It's good that it was a success. It's always a success. But I think the trick is making sure that you check every box on the road back to 100%. And it's going to be a while, four to six months before he's fully recovered from this, Chris.
2: Yeah, no, it it will not be easy. I mean, you know, just there, right, you know, let alone – I think, you know, you look at and I, I hope for a speedy recovery for him. Hey, you say what you want about Baker Mayfield. He's tough as hell, that's for sure. But uh yeah, it's 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 a dangerous injury. Good thing it's not his throwing shoulder, we know that. But I also, you know, me, I just go right to football and think about, damn, he's not gonna be able to practice at OTAs, probably won't be able to do the mini camp, anything like that. He's gonna have to go right into the training camp and hit the ground running there, and that's not always easy to do either. And especially in a year where I think it's a big off season for him, you know, and their offense and Kevin Stefanski and figuring out some ways to be a little bit more successful in the pass game, that's where it hurts the Cleveland Browns, certainly. Uh, I would think, like, just because it's his left shoulder, he could probably start throwing at some point when they feel like he can move that shoulder a little bit. You know, uh, again, there's ways to throw and still guard that and I think not be, like, too hard on it. Uh, But I don't know when that, like, you know, you hit that line to where you go, okay, you could start throwing the ball lightly because it's your other arm. Uh, but but yeah, it's it's a challenge here for the Browns and, and Baker Mayfield in the off season.
1: You you tell me, is there a concern you mess up your motion though if you're being? careful and deliberate about what you do with one side because you don't want to mess up the other?
2: Yeah, I I would be less concerned. That would be one there I'd go, hey, it's not, to me, it's not like, you know, you got a bad leg or a bad, like Dak Prescott, we talk about the ankle where it could, like, okay, last year in training camp, we were talking about, I don't know if he can really push off with that leg. It looks like it's fake that way and that caused some issues and then it caused him to use more arm and then we saw the lat injury. I don't think that will have those type of repercussions. I think it might not let him just absolutely rip the ball but you know again okay you got to keep your front I'm lefty you got to keep that front shoulder in there a little tight and you can't maybe just rip it out of there and do that listen in some ways this might be a blessing in disguise at times he gets so much with that front arm going crazy that everything ends up going crazy and the ball goes crazy and it doesn't go uh, so I, I'm, I guess what I'm saying is I, I, I don't think it'll affect his mechanics a whole lot I think he, he as, as soon as he can move it and do something he should be okay and I don't think it'll affect it.
1: And and let's remember and this is this is in all fairness and this is a warning to all of the quarterbacks out there. This all happened because he decided to go make a tackle after throwing an interception in week 2, whether right. it was just Kind of a hot headed in the moment reaction. He's pissed at himself. He's pissed at what occurred. This is when he re-injured it several weeks later against the Cardinals. He already had the injury, oh, then man. he was wearing the harness oh. at that point. And that's when it looked like he was done for the oh, year. No doubt. But it all it all started because he gave in. And I I know we don't we know uh, the Teddy Bridgewater where you go well, act there's like a, fine a, line. a bullfighter. Right. You you just just shelter in place. That's the fine line. You never even put yourself in a position where you get called out for not trying to make the tackle if you just get down, just get down. You threw an interception, fall down, stay down. Don't even go try to make the tackle. You are an asset to your team that has incredible value. And even if that guy takes it all the way to the house, unless we're talking about season on the line, playoff game, right, you shelter in place and you live to fight another day because the team needs you more than it needs you to stop that guy from scoring a touchdown.
2: Yeah, I I think there's a fine line. I don't go as far as you. You got to stop the guy from scoring a touchdown. You get down in front of him and make sure he trips over you. That's what you do. In
1: in week two? Well, I would. I think it's
2: hard, yes. In week two, yes. You just don't throw your shoulder. I mean, he tried to hit the guy like he was a legit, like, strong safety, and he thought he was Jamal Adams. That's where it was ridiculous, to your point. But you know, again, what also is ridiculous is Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater never never played for me again if he did that to me, and I was the head coach of that team. I'd have been like, sit down, drink Gatorade. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you just did that. And even his second attempt after the other whatever one was being, he didn't tackle there. He just threw a shoulder into the guy's hip. Like I mean, that, that was that was embarrassing. All right. So there is a fine line though. To to your point where. You know, again, you don't do what Baker Mayfield does. You don't do what Teddy Bridgewater does. But you find a way, whether I watch Peyton Manning and even Brady in his career, where, you know, you just get in the way and make sure the guy falls over you. That's the way you protect yourself as a quarterback. Uh, but certainly to your point, you know, you hey, if you got to dive and all of a sudden throw yourself in a spot to where, oh, my gosh, I'm in a really vulnerable spot and get hurt, no, then you don't do that and you let him freaking go and, okay, you'll live the play another day. But uh, I don't know if I'd go as far as you.
1: But I think that's part of the key. If you're comfortable making that play and knowing that you can maybe take the guy's legs out, kind of roll into him, not have a collision with any body part that could get twisted or bent or whatever you have you have to know you have to know your physical limits and you have to stay within them and if all else fails shelter in place if all else fails shelter in place all right uh the eagles made it to the playoffs this year that was unexpected jalen hurts playing well enough to potentially lay the foundation to continue to be the guy here's general manager howie roseman and head coach nick sirianni from yesterday talking about their second-year quarterback, who looks like he's going to be the starter heading into year three.
2: Have you seen enough from Jalen this year to feel comfortable with him as your quarterback moving into the future?
1: You know, we talk about Jalen and the growth he had. uh, Really, first-year starter, second-year player, uh, leading this team to the playoffs. Um, Tremendously impressed by his work ethic, his leadership. We talked last time we talked was during camp, and we said we wanted to see him take the bull by the horn, and uh, he certainly did that. Is that a yes? Yes.
3: Jalen knows where he stands with us. Um, you know, he knows he's our quarterback. Uh, we, you know, that's how do you know where you stand with a coaching staff? Because you communicate and you talk over and over and over and over again. And so Jalen knows where he stands with us. Uh, I thought he did a great job of getting better throughout the year, as we as we've talked about. And so, yeah, there's no, there's no secrets there. He, he knows he's our guy.
2: Until they uh, draft I, the quarterback I, in the second round. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, 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 I thought yesterday, do I need to go back and see what they said end of season last year about Carson Wentz? Right. I have a feeling I do, because I have a feeling they, they, they probably were talking about how you know, Carson Wentz is still going to be our guy. So, hey. It's all temporary in the NFL. They're always going to keep their options open. But I do think Jalen Hurts did enough to get him to come back on a very affordable third year of his contract, try to build something, see what you have. But but if all of a sudden Deshaun Watson says, I've changed my mind, I'll waive my no-trade clause for the Eagles, you got you got to have that conversation. No you doubt. have to. How no can doubt. you not?
2: You, you have to. You, you have to. You, there's no way you can't pass up that situation. There's no doubt. You know, Jalen Hurts. I'm I'm all for it. I mean, I was I went on Philly radio like ten days ago and I said, yeah, I think I would bring him back too. I get it. You know, yes, he's made improvements. There's no doubt about that. Their team is built in a way where, you know, they can they can capitalize on his skill set, which we know is a little bit more based in running than throwing. That that's it. they got that great offensive line. Sirianni, uh, Shane Steichen. I think a lot of them as offensive game planners and things they do there. You run the ball, and they got two guys on the outside who can beat man-to-man coverage and are a little dangerous, and Smith and, and Quez Watkins, and even Rieger can get open a little bit. Just whether he question, catches it or not is questionable. So you know there are some pieces in place to go all in on a Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson-ish type of offense. But I will say, I still question the ability to throw the football at an NFL acceptable level. I do. There's very little wiggle room for how they play or diversity in game plans because of that. And we saw that last week. Like, you can't run the ball. It was almost like, uh uh-oh, the game's over. Because now... He's not precise enough to be a good 5- and 8-yard thrower and be surgical that way. He has a long delivery. You know, we saw a number of plays in the game the other day, 15-yard comeback, the ball's in the air forever. It's not a real powerful arm. So that's where they got to go all in uh, and go in with uh, more running backs probably have a stable of them like the Ravens did before the year and they got hurt. Uh, That's what they have to do, and they have to build off of that and hopefully continue that he becomes a better passer. But when you play the style of football, and again, this guy's not Lamar Jackson. Jackson's a more gifted runner and thrower, but when you play the style of football, yeah, you're limited in your versatility and how you can beat football teams, and that's what I question about those type of offenses all across the league, even Lamar Jackson. We haven't seen him get past the divisional round yet because I don't think there's enough that stresses out playoff caliber defenses with this type of offense. And that's the thing I'll question, and I hope he proves me wrong. I'm certainly rooting rooting for him. He has a lot of things to like about how he handles himself and how he, he plays the position.
1: To bring it all home, he's done incredibly well, and he would be a great addition to the Houston Texans if they decide to make him part of the trade package for <laughs> Sean Watson. Yeah. If it comes to that. But let's let's remember, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. The great and powerful laws has spoken. You never know what's gonna happen until it happens. Let's take a break. We're gonna look at some prop bets for the divisional round when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, how about some prop bets for the division round? The highest-scoring team, we need to be very careful here. We're going to give away some of our picks, potentially, if we start saying who's going to score the most points in the divisional round. Chris and I, obviously, will be doing our Mega Picks podcast later in the day. The Chiefs, the favorites to score the most at plus 300, and there are the 49ers all the way at the bottom at plus 1,400. I guess the thinking is, that they're either going to get beaten handily by the Packers or if they do manage to win, it's going to be a low-scoring game, Chris.
2: I understand that, the 49ers being down there. I I, I do. Uh, I mean, I don't know if that translates. I don't understand the Packers being that high. There's no way the Packers will be the highest-scoring team this weekend, not against that 49er defense. I would be shocked by that. I really would. I understand the Chiefs and Bills being towards the top there. I think the Titans are still one people are sleeping on. I could see that game becoming a little bit of a, a shootout with some of the weapons and the way each team plays there. Uh, but, you know, I think if I had a bet on, like, who I think is going to be the top – I'd probably – it'd be the Chiefs and Bills that I'd really look at. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if that game ended up 34-31 or somewhere in that range when it was all said and done.
1: I've said before that, to me, the ideal football game – and you and I have argued about this. Because yeah. I don't want it to be like arena football where there's a presumption that every time you get the ball you're going to score a touchdown. I don't like that. Right. But I do like it when the final score is 34-31, 38-35, 40, I am 41-38 in overtime, I'll take. But when both teams are in the 30s, that's an exciting game. That's a touchdown each on average per quarter. I can live with that. That's not ridiculously high-scoring. That's I not a basketball it. game. Yep. That's what I'm hoping that we get from the Bills and the Chiefs. And I agree with you. The Bills-Chiefs winner, I believe, will be the highest-scoring team of the weekend unless, unless – one of these other teams, you know, and you know how it can snowball, how it can get out of control, and it could be a blowout for one of these. You know, you make a couple bad plays, a right. Couple bad calls. Now couple you know bad the season's coming over. You're and the next done. Thing and you thing you know, It's, snowballs. it's, it's yeah. 42 to 13. Right. I could see that. That's the only way that someone's going to have more points than the winner of the Bills-Chiefs game.
2: Yeah, I, I think so. I, you know, again, i You know, maybe that Buccaneers-Rams game can end up being a little bit of a a shootout too. We know the Buccaneers' pass defense, certainly something to question there a little bit, you know, and the, and the Rams defense certainly good, but we know the Bucs and Brady and that offense with which they got a lot to offer still even without Antonio Brown and Godwin. So, uh, but I still yeah, I'm with you. Chiefs and Chiefs and Bills seems like the one to me. Those two quarterbacks, it, it just again, it goes back into the conversation we've had before. Those two quarterbacks, the defense can win plays and you go, "Wow, the defense did everything right." What? Mahomes still got a 30-yard gain. What? Josh Allen still got a 40-yard gain. That's where it's crazy. You could have a lot of good defensive plays and still lose in this football game because the quarterbacks are that damn good.
1: All right, when we return, we're going to draft the most important non-quarterbacks for the four games to be played in the divisional round. We'll do that next here on Pro Football Talk Live.
0: sims repertoire.
1: You obviously can add more to the repertoire off of that. Does rattling off a word like repertoire, does that like Rep- negate a Simsism? Is that like money in the bank for a future Simsism? <laughs> I don't know.
0: sims We're going to give them a break on this one.
1: Oh, I got lucky. I
2: pulled some records <laughs> out of my <laughs> butt today. I know. I even said it with like a French accent there. I don't even know, I
1: what, know. what I was saying. I know. I know. Well done. Well done. Well done, EJ, as always. A plus. Let it go, EJ. Uh, I, d- I did give you a break yesterday. I got emailed about this one. And you said it somewhere else, too. You said it during the Joe Burrow interview. Right. Per- peripheral.
2: Peripheral. Per- peripheral. Yeah, yeah, I said pro no.
1: Yeah. No, you said Peripheral.
2: Peripheral? (laughs) Peripheral. You said it during
1: the Joe Burrow interview. Somebody emailed me about that, and you said it again yesterday. Peripheral. Peripheral. Damn. English
2: language wins again. Damn it.
1: You still get the first pick in the draft of the most important non-quarterbacks in the divisional round of the 2021 playoffs. Off we go.
2: Well, I'm going to go with Nick Bosa. You know, one his health is paramount to, you know, the 49ers being able to pull off an upset in Green Bay. Two, not only does he need to be out there, he needs to be a force. And again, you're going to beat Aaron Rodgers up in Green Bay. You know, you, you got to have somebody that's going to be able to threaten him around the edge. And of course, like we always talk about with great quarterbacks, you don't want to blitz and compromise coverage and have one less guy in passing lanes. So I look at Nick Bosa as being a guy. Hey, Bakhtiari sounds like he's going to play and start and be out there. You know, if he can just be around Rodgers, harass him, get a sack or two like Shaq Barrett did, I believe, in the NFC Championship game, that'll go a long way to the 49ers maybe pulling off this upset.
1: For me, you know, Nick Bosa is one of the obvious ones, and he needs to get out of the concussion protocol and actually be able to play. Yeah. Aaron Donald.
3: Mm. Aaron Donald. I know. There's a top two picks.
1: How do you put pressure on Tom Brady? You do right. it up the middle. You get him off the spot, and if you can get him off the spot and he slides left or right, uh-oh, here's Leonard Floyd over here. Here's Von Miller over here. So that's where Aaron Donald's ability to create havoc up the middle is even more important because Brady's got nowhere to go. And, and what does he do? What does he do when he's got nowhere to go? What does he do? It's, duck. it's and duck.
3: It's and duck. Balls up for grabs. We saw it
1: last year. Throwing it up. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Yeah. Get rid of it. And it may get intercepted. You never know where it's going to come down. So uh, we saw that start four years ago. It got to the worst point in the NFC Championship last year when he threw it up two or three times for grabs. But Aaron Donald is the guy that's going to force him to do it or not. So it's critical that Donald do it if the Rams want to have a chance to win.
2: No uh, agreed. And and for whatever reason that you know, this Bucks O line who you know and I think we both think a lot of, this Rams unit poses problems with them. And the Bucks are big and physical and a little bit lumbering. And the speed and undersized, uh, undersized, you know, defensive line for the Rams has given them issues to where, yeah, they they can't match up with their quickness and some of the things they've done. And they did a good job of pressuring Brady earlier this year, even last year too. So uh, I'm with you there. I was between Aaron Donald and Bosa. I just went with Bosa, but I think those are clearly the top two picks. I think the next one is Derrick Henry. Uh, I got to go with Derrick Henry here again. He just changes the landscape of the whole playoffs in my mind to, to a degree and again he just he with the style of football the titans want to play like we talked about earlier ball control you know efficient passing game where we're going to take some shots and be aggressive down the field that's what they do and that to me is where he's special not only his ability to, to hit home runs as a runner but he opens up home runs for aj brown and Tannehill that way uh so i'll take him next
1: I hate to do this because there are seven other teams, but I'm going to stay with the Rams because if they want to beat the Bucs, Cam Akers needs to bring it. He needs to be able to run the ball against that defense. He needs to minimize the number of times that Matthew Stafford has to throw the ball. 17 throws last week. Stafford was phenomenal. Akers is the key to the offense this week for the Rams. Can he run the ball against the Bucs? Let's take a break. Round three of the most important non-quarterbacks for the divisional round. We'll do that next here on PFT Live. There are the first two rounds of the draft of the most important non-quarterbacks in the divisional round. Chris, you're up with round three.
2: Well, I'm, st- I'm, st- I'm torn here between two things. Uh, there's a part of me that wants to pick other receiver not named Devontae Adams for the Packers because... Again, I just don't think they're going to be able to sit there and rely on Devontae Adams to go off in this football game against this 49ers defense. So somebody else has to step up. But I I, I think this is where I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Jarek McKinnon just to give love to that game because we've already talked. Yeah, I am. I, I think this is a game. But first off, we saw what McKinnon can do. I don't care if Darryl Williams is back or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is back. He's not; a, They're not as good as Jarek McKinnon. He adds some juice to that offense. He's really good catching the ball out of the backfield, but the other reason I pick him, too, is because I think this is a week, again, like the regular season last year when the Chiefs beat the Bills, it was bad weather they ran the ball. I, that's the advantage they have a little bit against this Bills defense. If they get into throwing the ball every play against Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier, they're going to have... It, it, I I just don't see that could be a problem. There's got to be some influence of underneath stuff, whether it's screens or whatever, the run game, however. But I like what they did with McKinnon last week, and that offensive line's too big and too talented to not run the ball behind them a little bit against what we know is a deep Bills defense that you can get run done or can get run done.
1: Uh, can get run on. Yes. Exactly. Um, I, I got a bunch I can take here. I thought Jamar Chase. I'm, th- yeah. I'm going to go Debo Samuel. I'm okay. going to go Debo Samuel. Yeah. If the 49ers are going to muster enough offense to outscore the Packers, Debo Samuel has to bring it yeah. the way we've seen him bring it. Catching the ball, running the ball, and maybe even throwing the ball. I've said jokingly, just let him play quarterback instead of Jimmy G. Let's just do that. Debo all the time, taking the snaps, running the ball. It's just wildcat with Debo, nonstop. So uh, there are the most important non-quarterbacks in the division. I have an important update, by the yeah. way, on the way out the door. What Our about? friend Marion in Atlanta, who is an Eagles fan, has a an important technological suggestion for the perpetual loop LED screen. She says there has to be a motion sensor on it so oh, that it's not just yeah. playing all day right. long. It only plays when you when know you show around. up. Right,
2: right. To Pay your yeah.
1: respects, or, yeah. or, uh, you know, on my grave. Yeah, uh, right. all right. I do something else <laughs> on your grave. <laughs> we'll see you at five o'clock see Eastern ya. for the Mega Fix podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> at Bet Three Six Five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.